0: ...muffled comments, and a pair of elbows dug into the nurse's ribs. It's no good, Master William, said the nurse, quite unmoved. Her bulk easily flattened the boy against the tree, as she, with dexterity born of long practice, removed his wet tunic and handed him a dry one. You'll catch your death if you don't change. She then neatly hooked William's legs from under him, whipped off his shoes, and removed his leggings. Here, put these on. There was a scuffling and a flurry of activity. Oaths were uttered. The nurse raised her eyebrows. Eventually William emerged, his brown hair tousled and his humour blacker than ever. That's not exactly what happened, he retorted, furiously shaking himself free from the nurse's grasp. Gavin did call for everybody to come and look at me riding Sir Percy's horse, but only to make fun of me if you want to see what a flea would look like on a dragon william mockingly imitated his brother come and look at well and it was not only the knights who laughed he went on aiming a kick at the pile of wet clothes it was all the servants too anyway i've got my own back if his nose is bleeding good but how did you get so wet repeated ellie There was a short, rather painful pause. Gavin threw me in the horse trough. A very bad boy, that Gavin, observed the nurse, wringing out William's sopping tunic and folding it neatly. A very bad boy, indeed. He threw you in the horse trough? Ellie tried to compose her face and think of something appropriate to say. Maybe... He will go to hell. Will looked at her pityingly. You don't go to hell for that kind of thing. You might, said Ellie defensively. How do you know? Will sighed. Here he was, being dressed by an aged nurse and listening to a silly girl talking nonsense. I'm going to get Sacramenta, he said, trying to salvage some dignity out of the situation. She needs to go out, and nobody can say I look like a flea on a dragon on her. The nurse was exasperated. But it's nearly dinner time, Master William," she said. "We've company. Your father will be angry if you're getting about on that horse instead of sitting at table." I don't care," said William, and began walking back towards the castle. Eleanor was unsure what to do but then ran and skipped along beside him. The old nurse watched them both, picked up her bundle and sighed. The children were growing wilder each day. They missed a mother. She pulled out a bottle from under her skirts and took a small sip. Then she tucked William's wet clothes firmly under her arm and set sail for the laundry. William, with Ellie beside him, strode along in silence for a while. Then in the distance the little girl spied a line of monks in white habits, filing slowly into the woods that stretched away to the west of the castle. Look, she said. There are those monks who are building the new monastery. They must be coming away from their meeting with your father. She glanced sideways at William, then continued. I saw one of them squatting behind a tree this morning. When he saw me, he didn't know what to do, so he began... "'chanting the rule of St. Benedict with his eyes tight shut, "'as if him not being able to see me meant I couldn't see him. "'Will seemed to take no notice, but Eleanor went on anyway. "'So I began to recite Our Lady's Psalter aloud "'until he was finished and couldn't squat any longer. "'He cleaned himself up with his eyes still tightly shut, "'but if I stopped, he opened them just a tiny bit to see if I'd gone away.' She glanced at William again. It was not easy, I can tell you, reciting Ave Maria's, looking at a monk's behind. Will's lower lip wobbled. Then suddenly he stopped walking, threw back his head, and shouted with laughter. Oh, Kelly, he said, you really are a wicked girl. What would father say? Eleanor pulled down the sides of her mouth and made her voice deep and gravelly. Sir Thomas would say, Eleanor, Theodora, Dabar, you are the despair of my life. How are we to make a lady of you? Who on earth will marry you and run the greatest estates you have been left? William, his good humor creeping back, took up the challenge. Ah, indeed, Sir Thomas, he sighed, now imitating the fussy treble of Piers de Scabius, the constable of his father's castle. What are we to do with such a pair as Master William and Miss Eleanor? Truly, truly, children are nothing but heartache and nuisance. The game was a familiar one. Soon the pair were engaged in most unchristian mimicry, and Will's outraged dignity began to feel less raw. The horse trough incident was by no means unusual. Like many brothers, William and Gavin were constantly at war. Their father, Sir Thomas de Granville, appeared almost to encourage it, and their mother, who might have exercised a restraining influence, had died in childbirth when William was six and Gavin was ten. Eleanor's own mother, a distant cousin of the de Granvilles, had also died in childbirth, at Eleanor's birth, as it happened and her father had been killed fighting for the king. Passed for a while from relation to relation, for the last eight years Eleanor had been living with the de Granvilles, and William had become her special friend. However, even at ten years old, Ellie knew that it was for the land she had inherited, as well as out of kindness, that Sir Thomas had agreed to take her in. Occasionally she overheard conversations between Sir Thomas and Gavin in which her name was mentioned. She was too wise not to realize that her great wealth meant her destiny lay not with William, but with Gavin. Elder sons must get the prize of the wife with the worldly goods. Ellie had always thought this very unfair. But she was not thinking about that now. She had a much more pressing concern, and that was to stop William going out on his horse and missing dinner since that would annoy Sir Thomas and spoil the whole evening. This was not only for William's sake. If the monks, whom Eleanor loved to tease, had been complaining about her, she wanted Sir Thomas kept sweet. "'Where will you take sacramenta?' she asked innocently enough, as William became silent once more. "'She is so fast you could probably gallop to the river bridge and back and still get something to eat.' Perhaps, said William. He kicked at a stone. Sacramenta can gallop, I know. He kicked the stone harder. Then began what to Ellie was a familiar complaint. But the thing is, much as I love Sacramento, I want a bigger horse, a destrier. I did not look like a flea on a dragon on Sir Percy's black stallion, and I could manage him very well. "'Nor do I look like a peon Montlouis. Mont-Louis. "'Both those horses would be just the thing for me. "'Gavin got Mont-Louis when he was my age, I know he did. "'So why can't I have one of my own?' Ellie made sympathetic noises. "'But since she hadn't even had the meanest, scruffiest pony to call her own, "'she also felt entitled to ask, "'But isn't a light, speedy horse like Sacramento just as good for you at the moment?' That's not the point, replied Will. Of course she's good, but for tournaments, a courser like Sacramento is just not, well, you know, well, just not, not quite strong enough, offered Ellie. That's it. That's it, precisely. Sacramento is lovely, but she is just not strong enough. I see what you mean, said Ellie and went on. Maybe you could talk to Sir Thomas about it this evening. He's always in a good mood when we have company. If we were to catch him at the beginning of dinner, before he gets talking to the guests, William considered, you mean not go out on Sacramento, and instead put up with having to sit at the same table as Gavin? Well, said Ellie, if, are polite to Gavin, your father would see how grown up you are. And don't forget, you did make Gavin's nose bleed with your fist. William brightened. So I did. Perhaps that is a good